Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. My guest today is an artist who has worked on games such as Metroid Prime Remastered, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, Call of Duty Warzone, and more. Plus he has some other skills as well, but we'll get into that later, I'm sure. I'd like to welcome Anthony Gasolano. Hello. How you cool. doing? Pretty good. Yeah? I pronounced yeah. that surname right. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, it's oh. actually right. Well, either that or Garciano, but I'll take both. Garciano. Okay. It's like, you know, Castellano. Oh, right. Okay. Well, as long as I reasonably got it right, that's that's a good thing. First of all, um, congrats on Metro Prime Remastered. It must be nice to finally have that out, considering I think it was, I think Nintendo was sitting on that for like a year and a half. Thanks. I think so. Yeah. I mean, um, also thanks for having me here too. Um, yeah, I, I was with GameSim at the time. And we were just one of the many, you know, external partners or external studios that worked with Retro. Yeah, but yeah. I'm so glad that, you know, the Metacritic score and the reviews were good overall. Yeah. Is that hard, though, when you have to wait that long to be able to put it on LinkedIn or your resume or anything? Like, if you do an interview and somebody asks you what you've been working on, you can't even bring it up either. So you just have to you know, wait. Yeah, I did go through that uh, before joining Enexile, but uh, with the project I'm on, uh, even with them bringing me on board, it was totally fine for them with no need for me to even showcase anything. Yeah. Um, I think if anything, I just mentioned, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember, world, world building, environment art related type of work. Uh, yeah. Without even bringing up the IP or the franchise, but just the uh, type of work. Right. So if you go into an interview and they ask you, oh, so what's what have you been working on? You're just kind of like, well, a game. Can't say what. Just did the world building, bit of the environmental art. You know, that it. was kind of the same. <laughs> even when I was at uh, Vicarious Visions before I joined, my path kind of in the past four years or three yeah. were all kind of on different projects. So it was kind of odd just even explaining what I've done uh, around 2018, 2017 on Bloodlines 2, a vampire game that um, still in development under a different studio. But when it got announced, it was at GDC in 2019. It was a cool feeling uh, being there with Paradox Interactive, uh, with them announcing the sequel, Bloodlines 2 or Vampire the Masquerade. Right. Um, I guess this will segue to what I'm doing with uh, working with a few developers that worked on the first one. Yeah. The first Bloodlines game, but way back, like a few years ago, um, it was kind of neat just seeing that get announced and then uh, ended up getting letting go or let go on that project. And just a few months after that, went from working on a vampire game to Crash Bandicoot, a huge transition and... Uh, it was a contract freelance gig that only lasted for about like a month, um, a trial period with Airborne Studios to see if it would work out. But with me being in the Seattle area at the time and them over in Berlin, uh, I think time-wise and getting feedback and even with them working with Toys for Bob in the same time zone as me, uh, things that didn't work out. But me reaching out or applying to Vicarious Visions just that transition, not being able to mention it to them. And me assuming that when I got the job, I thought I was going to work on the same game because they also remastered the trilogy uh, like a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, ended up becoming Tony Hawk. And a... <laughs> That's cool, man. A bit of an odd transition. And then uh, I don't even know how to explain how this happened with Metroid Prime Remastered, but... So did started... you? Sorry, did you just uh, join with GameSim, and then first day they tell you what you're doing, or no, no? no. So it was intentional. I, I started my career in Southern California, and it's kind of full circle with me working at a studio in in Excel or at Excel, and um, trying something different, working at Vicarious Visions um, in upstate New York, on the East Coast, um, and Florida was on my radar the southeast not even like north carolina or not even texas just florida uh i definitely uh, 
Plus, is looking into studios down over there around when COVID hit, which was very odd. It was a very odd time. Um, working It was. in Troy uh, around 2020, I do remember just living there temporarily, but Valence Studios was also, I think they're still there. Um, the team that made Knockout City. Yeah. Vicarious uh, Visions was just a few miles away. But um, around that time, I do remember looking into studios down in Orlando, mainly just around that area. Uh, Iron Galaxy was on my radar and EA Tiburon. Um, I was familiar with Keywords Studios. The powerhouse, well, I see them as like the powerhouse external outsourced parent company that has companies even over in Redmond, Laksha Digital, um, High Moon, no, not High Moon, uh, High Voltage Studio or High Voltage Software. Uh, sorry. That's right. Uh, high Voltage Software in Illinois, another keyword studio. But yeah, I reached out to them, um, not knowing what I was going to walk into uh, if they were looking. And they weren't at the time, but months later, uh, I just reached out again and was totally fine if it was even a military training simulation, just because that was what I did um, after working in film VFX like 10 years ago. There was like the one transition that I did in between getting back in games. But yeah, uh, when things moved forward, they mentioned the project and it was really hard for me to believe. Like I couldn't even say no to it and I was willing to even you know, uh, take a trip to Orlando or live there just for a bit. Um, and then, yeah, I moved back over yeah. to the Washington area. So do you find it harder to create art from scratch or in the case of, say, with Tony Hawk and Metroid Prime, is it hard to take the original art and then upscale it pretty much? Well, you're not even upscaling it. You're kind of redoing it, aren't you? In a way, um, oh man, I'm trying to compare it, but I definitely would put Metroid Prime Remastered up there just because it was fun working on Tony Hawk and making some art from scratch. Uh, I made the uh, taxi sign in the warehouse. That was like the only thing I made right when I joined. Uh, they were wrapping up on the warehouse demo space and... Yeah, that was literally the one thing I did was just make the uh, taxi sign and then I think a fire extinguisher and a few other props. But I did have a little fun making some banners in the school map. Um, we did have some, like a bit of wiggle room to be a little bit more creative compared to the uh, the original one. Yeah. But for Metroid Prime, Oh my gosh, like every map, I couldn't even, there's no way I could make anything from scratch there. Like all of it, retro, they had a palette of assets and materials. Like, Oh, right. So they'd send you, so they'd send you a palette for you to work with, and then you could take from that. So what did you actually work on? Mostly environmental art, I'm guessing. Mostly. I have the list. Uh, well, I'm still playing through it, but, uh, the research entrance, I just reached to that point, like yesterday. Um, is that the research entrance? Is that in Fendrana? Fendrana right. Drifts? Yeah. The courtyard, Fendrana Drifts, uh, Gravity Chamber, Fendrana's Edge, oh, yeah. Chapel of the Elders. So the core art, like the main art, the materials are all from retro. Yeah. Um, we just had to bend it a bit so that it would fit around the uh, original game. And hope it's not too much mentioning it now, but the game's already out. And uh, even the collision was strictly based off of the GameCube game. Yeah, uh, because, I mean, not, not much has changed about it. It was mainly the controls and the art. And yeah, the art uh, was already great in the original, so... It's hard to believe, yeah, even after 20 years and even... I saw online like the shortcuts that people were able to get away with were still the same unless they update it or change it. But yeah, I do vaguely remember one of the last few pieces I worked on was the research entrance and Vanjana's trip, Vanjana's edge. It was like the, um, 
not really a tower, but yeah, but it's 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 a tall structure, isn't it? Because you keep you're going you're going up, right? Um, and I we worked with Liquid. Just wanted to clarify on that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because there are a lot of external studios involved. But how long mm -hmm. does it take to do one room? Can't be that long. I'm trying to remember it. Because um, do you work on a room on your own, or are you working in conjunction with other artists? Like they do one part with, of the room, and you're doing yeah. another part. Oh, okay. Yeah, so mostly many, with other. Sorry, oh. I, was, I was just going to ask how many how many would you have on one room? Oh, like how many artists? Yeah, usually like just one or two. Um, oh yeah. The f I have it listed for grade, for grade crash site. It's in Talon Overworld. Yeah, uh, it's that huge area that. Yeah, when they showed that to us, I I think I only worked on just the uh, access tunnel near the access tunnel. Yeah, further ahead, just LODs optimizing a few spots. Uh, yeah, I do vaguely remember taking a second pass on a couple of, not just that map, but in Talon Canyon. Right when you land, you reach to this the waterfall area. Um, I took an LOD pass on just one section, and we had another artist near the uh, entrance when you walk towards the uh, Talon Canyon. It's the uh, room that has the half pipe going up yeah, that you will eventually right. get... Space jump, ball. or space jump, is it? Or yeah, yeah, that too. I actually did work on that room. Yeah, um, we were kind of constrained with some LOD pops that I think even for the foliage they'll just pop, and it's not just on our end. Like even on other maps that I don't think I worked on, just you know, because of either limitations of the switch, just LODs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, it it. I would say it's probably the best looking game on Switch. I would, probably, I would argue that. Like, it looks phenomenal. I remember playing it last week. I was thinking, how the heck did they do this? Because um, it looks amazing. Thanks. It, it surprised me even seeing, like, the uh, very beginning of the game. I forget the name of it. Oh, the Frigate Orphean. Oh, the intro, yeah. Like the intro level? Yeah. I'm so glad that the music's still the same too. Exactly yeah. the same. From, well, like, they they kept everything the same. They just improved um, the the graphics. Basically, it was basically the art and the animation. Um, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that work when you've got so many studios that are outsourced to? I guess you're just working off a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, and then that I would goes. Think so. No. Yeah. Well. I was just one of the many artists at GameSim, and with well, there's hundreds, with hundreds that worked on that game. I remember the credits, and it just goes on and on. Yeah, I, I would assume that other teams would work on other maps, doing the same exact thing, um, and it makes sense to keep the art, you know, from Retro, strictly from them, and without having any other external artists. Maybe aside from just the concept art, but I can't really say for sure. Yeah, I just know that it surprised me even seeing the palette, like the, the kit, modular kit, even for Vendrana Drifts and Talon. Um, I did get a chance to work on Chozo Ruins just a little bit. Um, just remember the furnace room where you have to use the power bomb to destroy a platform and use the uh, half pipe. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's the only other room that I can remember working on, and a few other tunnels. I have to actually play through it again if it it's either on that map or on another map. But those tunnels that transition to a different area, uh, I need Are to you play mean tunnels or elevators. No, like transitional rooms or tunnels. It's similar to when you beat the first boss, not Parasite Queen, but the the plant in oh, Talon. Flag Flagra, yeah. Yeah, right after when you get the uh, or getting the suit, the name of the suit, various suit, you walk to a tunnel that I think transitions from that level to the exit area. Um, I have to play through it again, and some of them look identical, but even like further down, 
past the uh, Talon Canyon, when you reach further in the lower level, there's a tunnel there that I, I still need to see if it's that tunnel that I worked on or in another one. But um, yeah, kind of the same uh, workflow. They'll just have materials um, and pallets in either in Maya or in a different 3D package. And yeah, we would make LODs or at least like the initial pass would be having it follow along with the uh, collision or the GameCube version. And then after that, an LOD pass. It's the same when I was on uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, having it similar at first. But over time, I think like halfway through production, we had to refine the collision, especially for the school. Um, yeah. There was like a rail that, because early 2000s, late 90s, it was way too sharp and ankled. Pointy. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it looks fictional looking at it, but they updated it a bit. We just have it as a curve going down, downhill. Um, I did have some creative freedom in that map. Oh, that's cool. Uh, there's an entrance to a building that um, up a hill that was too steep. And I think in the game, they just placed a stairs texture on it. It was so low poly, but I guess it worked at the time. Um, you can easily see it in the game. I just placed a bunch of cardboards and um, wood planks, and they were fine with it. But, I mean, it just covers what needs to be covered over there. And, yeah, as long as it's uh, realistic enough, it worked just fine. But for Metroid Prime, yeah, I think I would have to... I'm trying to remember what I did. Well, anything that I would do would have to go through the lead, and it, it would either be through uh, lead at GameSim or Liquid. But yeah, we would just play through it, and uh, it just oh, brings so, me back. So, did you do QA as as well? Like you'd be doing testing for it because you'd be playing the game with the art. Is that what you mean? A little bit of that uh, on Metro Prime Remastered. Yeah, um, I guess it's different too in a different perspective, being at the studio, like at Vicarious Visions, there's room to even fix a few bugs or note it down and send it to QA. But being part of an external studio um, was kind of limited, at least on my end, being able to QA certain areas on the machine, like work machine, but not on the Switch. And that would be through, I want to say, you know, through Liquid or GameSim to have the actual Switch dev, dev kit. Also to add, I was in the city for three months, but wasn't at the office in Orlando. Uh, did get a chance to meet the team like twice, but uh, was working remotely and wasn't really working there on site. Um, I guess at the time, COVID was still uh, pretty serious over there. Yeah. I mean, do you prefer working remotely or in, in an office personally? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it's kind of a mix of both because well, cause I the find last... it, I find I get cabin fever if I'm at home too much. So I'm always interested in other people's experiences. Uh, gosh. I mean, well, it's kicked in a bit. Are, yeah. you, are you introverted or extroverted? That always plays a part probably as well. Oh, man. I want to say ambervert because I, I know, like, <laughs> I give myself three days or around that time until cabin fever really kicks in for me. So I uh, used to live in Bothell, like north of Seattle. Uh, looking at the date, 2015. Um, I remember the day exactly. I don't know if you follow like American football or the Super Bowl, but not when the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl. That was in 2014. But back to back, they were at the Super Bowl again in 2015 and they lost and I moved in around the area around that same exact time like on a Sunday night driving up from California Southern California to Seattle and yeah uh, it was just kind of odd uh, funny in a way but uh, knowing that it was on that exact day was it like hysteria sort of thing hysteria um, I don't think so it was just Maybe quiet, 
definitely it would have to be. Yeah, oh, okay. it was just a quiet, quiet night moving, unloading stuff and hearing from my roommate, you know, that, you know, we lost. But yeah, definitely can't forget about that day. I mean, it was on a Sunday, so. Yeah. So you worked on Call of Duty as well. So how was that? And you worked on, you worked on Warzone, but you also worked on uh, Black Ops Cold War, but you're not credited. Oh, uh, need to have a correction on that. Uh, the team, Vicarious Visions worked on, I think the animation team worked on Black Black Ops Cold War, and we worked on Warzone just a little bit. But, oh yeah, I guess to also answer your question, I'm fine with working at the office, but yeah, like hybrid method works for me, but it's been a while too. After like three years, when COVID hit, working remotely half of throughout half of my contract at Vicarious Visions, and then the whole time at game sim and then even at an exile but you know there are some breaks in between uh, meeting the team on site so yeah working remotely is fine i guess if anything um they mean the work machine is like right there um i don't want to say it forces me to work a few extra hours but um if needed i think it does leave away the uh stress and worry going to the office and dealing with traffic so that extra few minutes yeah well that's right easily... yeah, yeah you have more time and you don't get drained from the commute yeah and also too like if there's anything any emergencies or things that come up uh, knowing that the work machine is just right there it helps too but the social aspect of it is missing um i guess that's mainly it but back to your <laughs> call of duty stuff so I did work remotely too, uh, working with Airborne, and that didn't pan out, but was glad to at least, you know, have some of my assets there. And that one was fun to work on. I think that hit a point for me being able to make a few stylized assets and the texturing process was different. Um, I don't know if I can go into detail on that, but- Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, but at Vicarious Visions, uh, funny enough, the last conversation or one of the last few conversations I had with Jennifer O'Neill, uh, the studio head there, was about Call of Duty. Um, I understand their perspective and point of view, similar to Toys for Bob, not really making like Call of Duty games all the time. For Toys for Bob and Vicarious Visions in the past like 10 years, it was mainly, you know, Skylanders and Crash, Spyro, not really Call of Duty and uh, around 2020 i mean everything kind of shifted i wasn't there when they merged with blizzard but i was there when they were working on the uh, diablo 2 resurrected remaster um, so in the building i think it's a three-story building uh, i was on the second floor working on tony hawk most of the i think just up on the second floor was just the uh, tony hawk remaster team and on the bottom floor yeah diablo 2 resurrected and yeah they were working on it even right when i joined um, right and then after tony hawk um yeah uh, we did some support work with raven i was totally fine with it too like being able to work on a call of duty game that was like one ip or franchise that never really uh, crossed my mind knowing that they make you know a call of duty game like every year well, it's, it's like the big, big one, isn't it, right? Because it's so established and it's one of the best-selling game franchises, period. Right. For Activision, yeah. I mean... Well, not even just Activision, but of all time, right? I mean, if you look on... If you look at best-selling franchises, I mean, it would be up there. I mean, not number one. I think Mario is number one. Uh, but Call of Duty oh. would be up there. Yeah, I agree. Um. They crank those out like every time, every year or two years. The machines. Yeah, I'm glad to at least just touch it a little bit. But I think by then, when that was already planned out, my mind was already on Metroid and was actually playing through. Um, oh, I actually didn't play through it until I was on the contract with them, uh, with GameSim. But a few months before my contract ended, um, a couple of the environment artists that worked on Tony Hawk uh, remaster. We just spent the extra time either on our portfolio pieces or uh, 
playing a bit of Warzone. Um, but even in between that time, I was just, you know, getting familiar with Metroid Prime again and ended up getting a, a Wii U to play the uh, trilogy <laughs> and to keep that under the hood the whole time. Yeah. Well, it's hard. <laughs> I, I, I imagine it would be hard. Yeah. And you can't talk about it. And there's all these rumors about it. You can't say anything. I mean, it was the worst kept secret ever because uh, there were all these leaks. And uh, I just find it fascinating that it was that it was set on for what a year and a half i mean it's crazy i think so my i wrapped up well at least the team did around mid 2021 so i guess it follows along with the news online but yeah at the time my contract ended around october with GameSim, so they could have easily done some extra work in between uh, that time but yeah, I'm trying to remember what I was going to also add to that. Um, oh, yeah, even to work with GameSim, a very small team where, uh, I mean, their website's not really that up to date. But even then, I don't think it has to. Um, before Metroid Prime, I mean, they worked on a few sports games and other titles under EA um, on a different scale. So for this game, for GameSim to also work on this, and same with Liquid, I mean, it, I, so different. Uh, the scale of the the franchise and to be able to work with Retro, I mean, I, I feel like that's so rare. Yeah, they're kind of like um, they're kind of uh, like the secret uh studio it, it's really bizarre i find every time there's some sort of new role that pops up at retro it makes news it's really weird it's i can't think of any other studio which gets that type of attention um because you wouldn't have because you it's like a subcontracting gig isn't it so retro outsources it but are they outsourcing it to multiple studios or is it kind of like a subcontractor of a subcontractor Sort of thing. So they outsource it to Iron Galaxy, and then Iron Galaxy outsources it to GameSim, or I don't think so. I, I think just so they just outsource to all the different studios, and then I suppose the lead in each team, I suppose, reports back to Retro. I'm guessing that's how it's done. Gosh, I wish I I knew. I just realized <laughs> as I've been standing on this side. Sorry about that. That's all right. That's all right. Um, uh, I just know well, you, well. It's already, you know, public out there that for that game, uh, they worked with so many external studios. I can't imagine one external studio doing contract work with another external studio to do the same exact. Yeah, thing or I work would on think it would get more. Game. It would get or become more complicated. I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I was an independent contractor with GameSim. Um, I guess the other option would be to, you know, reach out as a potential employee, but it was a case by case basis. And yeah. just for that game, they had other projects lined up, but I think around that time when my contract uh, ended, it was also a sign for me to uh, look elsewhere and to not, you know, heavily rely on, I didn't want to rely on games and, you know, crossing my fingers if. They're also remastering the second and third game, but um, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Would be cool. it, would, it would be hard. I think I'd find it hard now to go back to Prime Two and Three with the original graphics. No, that's no disrespect to the original artists, but the the graphical jump is just so big and so large. I mean, it was it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's phenomenal what you guys did. And, you know, it's got 94 or 95 on Metacritic for a reason. I, I, yeah, I agree. Who knows? But, I mean, I think that's also good for GameSim, too, to be able to work on other projects similar to that scale, even yep. if it's the second or third game. And I did play that, uh, like, a few years ago after playing the first one. I still like the first one. The second I think one, most people do. Most people do. Yeah. I think it's the music too. Um, even for the second one, a bit more dark. 
darker yeah, it's, tone. Yeah, it's a bit more dark, a lot more ambient music. But I think the first Prime has God tier in terms of yeah. the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't want to, like, have the fanboy side of me <laughs> pop out in this call. But just imagine, similar to, like, The Matrix listening to Juno Reactor or... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know which scene that is just by listening to the song, and it's the same with Metroid Prime. You know, you listen to Parasite Queen, or I forget the the song before you reach to the boss, but in the beginning of the game. Um, it's memorable. It's hard to forget. Yeah. So what's your greatest strength, you feel, as an artist? Oh, man. I guess it changes over time. Like... I do like world building and on the environment art side, hand painting was fun doing that for a bit. But if I were to do that now, it would take me a while. Um, yeah, I've just been enjoying like world building, either working off of existing assets or even like texturing, making materials. Uh, that's also neat too. But I think it just depends on what I'm doing now with my strengths and weaknesses um like five years ago making foliage was kind of hard for me to do but if i were to do it now it would be a little easier uh, i guess with what we were able to get away with and using like mega scans and um other materials that exist but yeah and if anything less on stylized hand painted i do enjoy it I just know it will take me a bit of time to do it. So do you find, say, something like the environmental art of Metroid Prime a little bit more down your alley then than opposed to, say, something like Tony Hawk? Because Tony, it's, it's I mean, it's m more of the realistic type mm -hmm. graphics. You know what I mean? In, t well, in terms of the art and how it's how it is as opposed to something like Metroid Prime or Borderlands is another good example. That's highly stylized. Um, that is kind of odd that, you know, for Tony Hawk, it's like fictional, realistic in a way. Not really stylized, yeah. but Metroid's like stylized, realistic. Um, yeah, bit. yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah. Uh, gosh. I mean, I can't really compare it much uh, with Metroid Prime. I mean, <laughs> I didn't make the materials for that game. Those were already there. Uh, I mean, I've dabbled a bit on a few like ground materials and like dirt materials and some grass materials. It's on my portfolio, but uh, oh man, whenever I think of like doing work on Tony Hawk, it's hard to really... Um, compare it because it's a different type of workflow well not workflow um, I guess pipeline uh, just the procedures with what we were doing working with a few other outsource studios at Vicarious Visions but even for the school it was all shared yeah it's a one huge map shared with a few other artists and uh, I did make a few materials literally like the green awning that you see right when you start on the map that one was fun to make um in the school map and a few other assets for the uh, creative park escape uh, mode. But I don't know, man, I guess with the work that I did on Metroid prime, it was kind of fun just to even see what I can do using with what we have or what we had at the time, having well, it match with the original game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose from what it sounds like is retro studios gave you a pretty good starting point with the, the palette to use. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think too, um, the art style for the original Tony Hawk game, definitely way, ways different compared to Metroid. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mentioned it before. There's some wiggle room on the remaster for Tony Hawk just to update the graphics and even like the pop culture with what's current and having it mix with, uh, the original game, like the uh, graffiti and I think there's still a videotape in the game. Uh, has some some old school 
feel to it, but for Metroid, I mean, we're trying to have it match with the art style and have it follow along with the lore. <laughs> Nothing can really compare to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, when you when you do your first, I mean, because they you must do a lot of back and forth, right? So you'll do a pass of say a new bit of art. So let's use Vendrina's Edge, right? Because that was one of the rooms you did. So you do a pass, your lead comes back and says, fix this, or do you get it right first time? No, not at all. No? <laughs> never never on the first time, no. Never on the first oh, how many, how many? How many times would you have to do it? I want to say at least like two or three. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a few where, especially for the research room where you see the cutscene and you have to fight um, these three, I forget which, uh, what they're called, the space pirates. Yeah, yeah. Before you reach to a certain area, I forget where, but it's by the ruined courtyard uh, near the uh, save station. Right when you arrive there, you head up the platform up, up, up above the uh, courtyard. Yep. And yeah, the uh, research entrance is right there. There's a cutscene there in that room. I do remember having it go through uh, Nintendo and seeing either the QE testers or somebody testing the uh, collision around that room. And it surprised me. It surprised me when I saw the video that, you know, they would just be in morph ball mode rolling around the whole, well, not exactly the whole room, but in a certain spot, uh, noticing that there's a bit of a huge gap from, you know, the uh, updated mesh and with where Samus was rolling. Wow. So is that that's how thorough they are. I've heard Nintendo's QA testers are, are I a top can notch. imagine that. Yeah. I mean, even thinking about it, for Tony Hawk, we're, we were kind of the same. Maybe we had a bit of a leeway on wall writing. You'll see a few areas where you can wall, I guess, wall write or not really grind, but the player's like a few centimeters away from the wall. Uh, just because of the collision and the art that's there. But for Metroid, I think there's only so far they will allow like some extra bit of space between the player and the updated art. Like if you were to shoot towards a mesh and notice that you know the collision is just way too off, they'll definitely call that out. And I guess for that space too, it's a combat space. Um, I mean, an intentional room to fight a few space pirates. They wanted to make sure that I guess it would follow along with the original collision. And same goes with any map, though, in the whole game, that I think the original GameCube version was literally the collision um, throughout the whole space. Yeah, well, I suppose it really helps if you've got the original to go off and you've already got the template in place, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But do you? how, how do you find the different areas, right? Was there a particular area? Like, is snow easier to do? Is ruins easier to do? Is overworld easier to do? Because they're different biomes, right? So in terms of how you you do the art for it would be different. And every artist has their strengths and weaknesses and stuff that they're better at than others. Yeah. Uh, I will say it was kind of hard for me to work on Talon Overworld with the terrain meshes, uh, even for the LODs, uh, when you walk to Talon Canyon, I was responsible for, I can't exactly explain which side, but when you're walking towards the waterfall in the center of Talon Canyon near the half pipe, um, I mean, that whole space was shared with a few other artists at Liquid and I think a few at GameSim, but um, most of the LODs I wanted to at least make sure that it would transition smooth enough when you're walking towards it. There's a few like pops that I notice up above, but that's in an area where you won't really see it pop, but it's kind of noticeable. Um, yeah, we were we had to go solo, solo poly in certain areas. Um, same thing with the uh, alcove, the uh, space jump boots room. Um, it was fun to do, but yeah. Um, we had to make sure that it would run smoothly. Yeah, because you have to sure make that... sure it runs at 60 frames per second, right? So yeah. I, I know with the original game, 
the how they kept it 60 frames per second is they almost had like this pop-up that would come up every time the frame rate would drop and it was considered a monumental fa failure if that happened so they just have this eh, this pop-up come up so every time it went a little bit under 60 yeah so i don't know if that's the, what they employed with this or or how the qa testers did it this time but i mean obviously you guys you guys have to implement the art and then i suppose i mean do you test it as well to make sure that it doesn't break the frame rate or is that handed off to someone else like someone else tests that stuff and then comes back to you that would be through uh my lead at either game sim or liquid to play that using the uh, switch dev kit right um, i see so you're you were basically focusing on just art that's mm -hmm. all you did and everyone else and the different teams would take care of of all that stuff yeah there was only so far i can go with or i was able to go with a couple of those lod's but yeah when it came to the uh, frame rate um i do vaguely remember seeing a couple of that either at, on tony hawk or on metroid but not on my end i think my lead at the time at vicarious visions would check that um, the frame rate to see that it, it would if it would run just fine and i think uh with game sim and liquid that would just be through the leads or uh, the tech art team at retro um yeah i was kind of a bit away from most of that well you're working because... remotely as well right so, yeah 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 but i do vaguely remember being on one like one call um having a discussion about that with the team there with game sim liquid and retro but um, yeah didn't really talk much at all so would you guys have have weekly meetings where you'd look over the previous week's work i know that's what retro used to do but is that what it's like or what it was like at game sim so you do whatever the work you've done for a week and then monday you do a meeting and and yeah, talk I think about that... all the the previous work that you you'd done problems that occurred during the the last week in a big bulk call yeah kind of the same with uh my time on tony hawk and yeah with what i'm doing at Exile, but um, i guess in sprints working in a certain area and then having a team review it every week or like twice a week and then one like team review call with the client um yeah, it was fine. I like the way that they did it. Um, at the same time, too, like on my end, I would just be on mute when it came to that. But when it came to like uh, internally with the uh, external studios, uh, we would have our own meetings. And then with the client, there's really no need for me to really talk much for those meetings. I think yeah, I just well, said fair enough. Yeah. one word. I, yeah. I literally, I think I just said yes or yep. <laughs> but yeah, that would be through the uh, art lead or the art director and not on my end. Yeah. Now, uh, some people might not know this, but you did the stereo conversion for Man of Steel, eh? Yeah. That's cool, yeah. man. How did that come about? Um, well, there's a long list of other movies uh, on my IMDb, and I listed just Man of Steel because uh, I was the I was credited on that movie just on that after working on like ten movies. Really? So, what other movies have you done that you're not credited for? Oh my gosh! Uh, Transformers three, uh, Spider Man, with Andrew Garfield, not Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Spider Man one and two, and Smurfs one and two. Uh, oh man, I got pretty jaded after Smurfs two and Man of Steel. So how come you weren't credited? Is it just some sort of weird contract with how it works? Oh, I was there full time, but I think it had to do with either contributions or the size of the teams or something not really on my end. Uh, I mean, VFX studio and I guess the industry in, in general at the time. What when was this like 10 years ago when Rhythm and Hughes were going through? Um, I forget exactly what happened, but you know, after Life of Pi, that movie. Um, yeah, there were either a VFX union or a strike that was going on in the industry around 10 years ago. 
Isn't that annoying though? Because I mean, I don't think a lot of people understand this, but you being in the credits helps you in terms of, in terms of finding work, right? So if you're excluded from the credits, particularly when you've worked for however long you work on a project and then you're excluded, it's, you can't even, I mean, what are you supposed to show to confirm to people that you worked on it, right? There's, yeah. There's no proof. It's not even, yeah. I, aside from just being able to have our names on our IMDBs, uh, I do even remember having a, an interview, on-site interview at High Moon Studios. Uh, the office, the studio I worked at was uh, Legend 3D. They had an office in, uh, oh, Northern San Diego, Carlsbad, uh, Del Mar at first, and then Carlsbad. But our office at the time was near High Moon Studios and Rockstar. We were in the exact same building as Rockstar, just a block away from uh, High Moon Studios and Activision Studio. That would just work on Call of Duty, and I think they also worked on Destiny. Um, I think one and two, but I had a uh, an on-site interview when they were either wrapping up on the Deadpool game or was still in production on that game. Uh, twenty thirteen, late twenty thirteen. Uh, I I just remember one question from either the producer or someone high up looking at my resume and seeing all these titles and was asking if I had any work to show for it. I mean, aside from just the uh, name on the credits, but for stereo compositing, I mean, that's something that you would have to see when you're wearing 3D glasses. And well, that's right. Really... You, you can't vision. You can't show sound, can you? You can't show it. Yeah. Yeah, there's really nothing to show. Um, I do have some rotoscopes on my portfolio, and that's like the phase before you do compositing, and you would add in. Stereo 3D on top of that, with some work in between doing some compositing and stereo compositing for the left eye and right eye. Uh, the rotoscopes will either cover a character in the foreground, mostly, yeah, in the foreground, and on the background. Um, they call them clean plates, but just painting the spots in between the uh, foreground characters and any objects in front, but. Yeah, after Man of Steel, when that came out and I saw my name on the credits, I was already like mentally done for, that was after, um, like while I was there, what is it, uh, three and a half years, almost reaching to my fourth year. Uh, wow. When that movie came out after my third year there, or almost around that time, I was pretty much done for. <laughs> was able to stay until, you know, early 2014, but wanted to get back in games. And I actually wanted to uh, throughout my time there, but uh, my portfolio wasn't really uh, up to date. And yeah. But was that part of the reason why you shifted back into games because you weren't being credited for that stuff? And you felt, well, I would assume you'd feel undervalued. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you can't show really anything on a CV. So it's almost like the years that you've put in you can't show anything for it. Right. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I had that same exact issue after working on like, like 10, 12 movies uh, with not really much to show and with me wanting to uh, jump back in games to focus more on 3D art. I had to spend the, t the extra time, you know, to make a portfolio just on environment art or 3D art. And while I was there, you know, an eight hour day will switch to eight, uh, 10 hours and then 12 and then crunch will hit usually hits like six or three months near the end of the release of a movie. What's the worst crunch you've done? <laughs> Smurfs of all movies. Really? How much, uh, how long was the crunch? 12 hours, 10, um, 12 hour days. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, day, seven days yeah. a week. For how long? Oh. Oh man, I'm trying to remember. Twelve, five days, and I think I think twelve for or ten or twelve on a Saturday, maybe eight or less on a Sunday if needed. But okay. uh, Transformers three and the first Smurfs movie, those two we were working on at the same time. And I think when that was when, you know, stereoscopic three D was booming after the Avatar movie. And Legend 3D 
not being in the LA area, they had an office in LA, but their production team, um, the workforce was in Northern San Diego. They just hired a bunch of grads and junior artists. And I think that was also like, not really a test phase, but I guess prestigious, uh, an IP for both titles and yeah. the client being under Sony and I'm forgetting which Paramount Pictures, I think, for Transformers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. To have them rely on a studio down in Northern San Diego, I'm pretty sure like they wanted to put their best foot forward for those clients. And um, I mean, we had to, oh gosh, I don't want to say pay the price for it, but there was well, definitely some crunch involved. <laughs> I mean, it seems like crunch is just, it's one of those things that just happens. It doesn't matter what industry it is, whether it's games or movies, television, music. It's just, it's the thing I hear so much about, regardless of industry, right? Any of those creative industries, crunch is just one of those things that just happens. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you find the crunch worse with film as opposed to video games? Worse with film. <laughs> Okay. With, with film, I guess like, so before I did that, I did some QA at Sony in San Diego on MLB 2010. That was the one game that was pretty fun, but it only lasted for about a month, a little bit over a month in right. the QA phase before that game shipped. But that was fun to, you know, I guess it's, it wasn't really technically playing games like usual, but testing yeah. for like 10 hours or a bit over but gosh for film a lot goes to it um not just on the work but even i guess performance and the image for the studio and the executives and the clients everything that goes up the chain um, i'm glad that we delivered but we also hit three layoffs at legend 3d around 2011 i mean it hit the news around that time but that was a scary feeling <laughs> uh, surviving three layoffs but one in May, I think that hit the uh, different department, Stereo 3D, or uh, it's hard for me to explain it now, but definitely not the compositing department. And then like months after, another layoff hit, and it was mainly on the compositing team. Um, I think it went from 100 compositors at one point to like 60 or almost half. Oh my so, god. Yeah, it was pretty huge. Like. The studio grew at one point and then layoffs hit. And then I think the third one was just like the last few other compositors or artists around at the studio, but all in the span of like six months, I want to say May, July, and then October. But it surprised me to even stay there, like to think about it, that I stayed there after that time and then continued on working on. Oh yeah, I was also credited on Top Gun. The first one, not the Maverick. first one, right? Yeah, yeah. The 3D release of the first one that was in theaters just for about a week. Um, so you did out. all that work for it to just be there for a week. Yeah, that was. That's nuts. Yeah, that was like our. Well, I guess it was like our in-between project after the massive layoffs. Uh, we worked on just Top Gun, and then more projects started kicking in, like. Oz, Wizard of Oz with James Franco, Oz the Great and Powerful, Mina Kunis and James Franco. I guess that one flew by around 2012. But yeah, after that, Spider-Man 2. Yeah, 1 and then 2 and then Man of Steel. Uh, yeah, I definitely enjoyed Man of Steel just because of the cast that were there. Not just Henry Cavill, but Lawrence Fishburne. Um, forget his name. But he was on Law and Order SVU. So, did you actually get to meet them? No, no, no. Uh, oh, okay. I'm trying to remember if it was. Uh, no, it wasn't Zack Snyder, but Michael Bay did visit the studio. Michael we Bay did. On... Yeah. During Transformers. Yeah, Transformers Three around 2011. It so went by met, so quick. So you met Michael Bay. Did not meet him. No, but okay. I was there. When uh, he was crowd... there. Yeah. Yeah, his presence was there around standing around like a hundred compositors and artists. So, so you saw him. So you actually yeah. saw him there physically there, but you just didn't talk. Yeah. To him. Yeah. That, that was it. 
just had a microphone to say that, you know, we're doing a good, good job with the Fieslers there, you know, good, good effing job. <laughs> and then I think it made sense though. The executives and the higher ups were kind of around Michael Bay to make sure that everything was fine. And after, after that, um, I just flew by so quick. I'm trying to remember if we also saw Zack Snyder, but I think that was through a, a video call. Yeah, um, yeah. But even then, like, it's a different feeling seeing directors or... Um, I'm not really familiar with that that much well, compared to, I, like... They're just people at the end of the day. But I think, I don't know, we have this thing where we glamorize people and put them on this pedestal. Like, they <laughs> they are some sort of superhumans or something but they're just people at the end of the day i've always found that right. i've always found that really bizarre yeah like we worship these people that they're just doing their job just like anyone else yeah i see more of that in uh film than in games but i guess a lot has changed in the past few years well games doesn't really it, it, you don't really have these superstar game developers i mean there's certain people that i think make the jump, make the quantum leap, and they somehow become famous for whatever reason. I mean, like Shigeru Miyamoto, Todd Howard, John Carmack. Um, yeah, so certain designers or developers. But I think it's because when you see when you see a film, right, you see the actor and you see the director promoting it, usually with a gaming studio, it's the, the show-off piece is the game itself, right? There's no individual that tends to get all this publicity. Right. It's, it's the actual studio itself. So it, it probably helps keeping a, a more humble group of people. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. not all the attention goes on one individual, like say it does with film, where the actors or the director, so to speak. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. So, I think... Sorry, you go on. Oh, you're right for for film and um, i think nowadays most studios are now recognizing vfx artists or vfx studios on their work and i think even for award shows um, i'm trying to remember if that was even a thing 10 years ago or even before that time um, well part of the reason why that. i like to do this is be, is to humanize game developers because oh. i think i think gamers sometimes are totally disconnected, right? From the people working behind the scenes. I mean, I don't know. Did you do Crunch on Metroid Prime? Please tell me you didn't. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I'm trying to remember myself. I... It's just so when... entrenched in it that you don't even realize. Yeah. I. It's different. When I think of Crunch, sometimes it could easily be like, you know, 12 hours or almost the whole day. But even if it was like an extra hour... Right. To make sure that something was okay on GameSense end or Liquid. Because um, there's a there's a difference between mandatory overtime and then mm -hmm. you just wanting to put the extra work in because you're very passionate about this particular thing and you just want to get it done or you just want to go the extra mile. Yeah, then, I, that's self inflicted crunch. Then mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's true. If it's mandatory, it would really kick in and would drain a few people, but if it's not even mentioned at all, um, I can imagine a few spending like a few minutes or an hour on something if they have to or more. But yeah, I don't think I really crunched that much just because I do remember just playing a bunch of Metroid games on the weekend, <laughs> trying to catch up on uh, the 2D saga and the Metroid Prime series. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose Dread would have been released while you were working on it hang on i'm trying to remember when dread came out was it last so, year was it last year or 2020 2021 2021 when that got announced yeah okay so you guys probably would have wrapped around about the time it got announced then mm -hmm. i think so yeah yeah i yeah. think on the art it was side 2021 yeah mm -hmm. i think on the art side and then there had to have been a qa phase um not for the external studios but for nintendo a retro after that uh, yeah there were times where i thought it would get announced sometime last year or near the end of 2021 but yeah didn't really think much of it tried to hold it in too 
Well, well, I thought they were going to announce it on the 20th anniversary. I thought that would be Same. the perfect time to announce it. Makes sense. And then nothing yeah. happened. And then I, I thought, I'm like, oh, it's just, it's all lies. It doesn't even exist. And then they just shadow drop it. Which yeah. Is, which is bizarre to me that they just shadow dropped it out of nowhere. Yeah, that surprised me. But at the same time, I, I think it makes sense to just put it out there now before uh, Tears of the Kingdom. And then I, I think Bayonetta also came out. A few other Nintendo titles. Yeah, well, they were obviously they were trying to find a place to put it, I guess. But there was mm -hmm. no marketing or anything. They just announced it and then here you go. <laughs> Man. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, no marketing or anything. So it's, it's just. I find the whole thing bizarre. Um, well, but but it's it's. I, the last time I saw it was number one on the American eShop. It was number one in Germany, UK, New Zealand, and Australia, on the eShop in all five of those countries. I don't think in Japan because I just don't think Japan cares about Metroid. But yeah, so oh, that, maybe Metroid Prime. But also to add, the uh, Japan release of Metroid Prime was February. 20 not 20 uh, 2003 oh so, metroid prime right it was a year after the original release wasn't it yeah like a few yeah. months after late yeah. february uh, 2003 yeah. but i just don't think i don't think shooters are just i don't think they're popular there i think they're in, they're into cutesy stuff <laughs> i think well when it comes to fps yeah, yeah or fps yeah. games oh, they get motion sickness as well yeah oh I can see that. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, you should be proud because it's still number one as far as I know. And apparently the physical copies, nobody can find them. They're all, there seems to be some scarcity for some reason. I don't know if Nintendo oh. didn't provide enough or they didn't intend for it to be as big as it has, but yeah. Oh, that's good news too. Yeah. I mean. Uh, big tip for think... you. <laughs> well, it's a good feeling to see that too. Yeah. For the external studios and even for retro, after Donkey Kong, yeah, Country Tropical Freeze, there's a huge gap in between, and yeah. I'm sure the fourth one will do just fine. And yeah, crossing my fingers for the second and third remaster. Um, I guess also to mention, like the takeaway I do want to get, well, with me being at an Exile, um, kind of the same with retro with Metroid Prime you know like every studio has their game that everyone remembers and for an it's like wasteland 3 bard's tale but yeah i can't wait until project we're on gets announced and um, even to see the reaction for metroid prime remastered i felt the same way when uh they tell me you know what project it was and when i got a chance to work on my first map uh, <laughs> just listening to the music again it brought me back it's the same a bit with Tony Hawk. I guess they added a bit more touch to it with more modern music and with the looks, but oh, such a huge shift after Tony Hawk. And well, good for the Curious Visions also to remaster Diablo 2. Um, uh, I only played like one demo build when I was there, but I wasn't really much of a huge Diablo gamer. Uh, I did play a few of those games like a few months ago, literally just a few months ago, um, just to uh, get familiar with it and to play uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected. I had to play the first one, so just played through that or I went to the second one. But yeah, such a different scale with Metroid Prime. Yeah. Well, hey, I'll wrap up there. Uh, I think it's a good place to wrap up, but... I look forward to seeing what else you do in the future. Uh, I'll, I'll probably be in contact. I want to know this game that you're working on currently, but I'm sure to get announced when it gets announced. But uh, all the best in your career. Uh, I look Thanks. forward to seeing what else you do. Hopefully Metro, Metroid Prime was just the, the biggest highlight currently, but I'm sure you'll have way more as time goes on. Thanks. Um, Thanks for having me here too. And uh, yeah, it was fun working on Metroid Prime, but also, yeah, uh, working alongside with many other, many of the other uh, external studios. Yeah, uh, you've, you've done a lot of stuff I mean, uh, for a lot of different studios.
yeah, and I guess for this one, this one will be at an Excel and it's a project under them, under their banner. So can't wait until it gets announced and I'm yeah looking forward to it. And they're under Xbox. So something, change of pace for me, something new. yeah so if anyone wants to keep up to date with what you're doing or follow you where's the best place for them to do that I guess Twitter would be fine. I have okay my handle, Agarslano. That I think that's it. Even on Mastodon, kind of the same. But haven't really posted much. I think in the past few months, just been playing a few RPGs and um, anything that was under an Excel or Interplay. Some history behind an Excel with Interplay, but yeah, I'm still playing through Metroid Prime, so you might see me post a few pictures and videos of that game. But yeah, Agar Solano on Twitter. That's Cool. it. All right. Well, that is the show, everyone. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe. And until next time, stay safe. Cool.